Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, you know, um, hypotheticals. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. going away function for a buddy last night who was in lacrosse for a couple months he was here big shot medical guy he's at gunderson health system doing some of his medical school stuff he was staying with us and he left today last night was his last night we took him out to celebrate a little bit took him to a couple of our favorite establishments and at one point in the night i ran out of cash so i needed to go to the atm and i needed to pull a crisp 20 out of the atm from the bar and if you use ATMs frequently, you know that some of them have fees, and they ask you, you know, there's a fee at 250 do you want to continue? And you're like, yeah, I've been standing here for three minutes already. I'm not going to cancel this process. Go somewhere else. Give me the 20 Those $20 bills that you get from the bar ATM, they spend tough. Like, it hurts to spend them, because you know when that one's gone, you're either out of cash, you need to go back to the ATM, and that's a whole ordeal. It's 20 bucks that I don't like to spend. Right? Sometimes you get a $20 bill from your grandma, or your parents and a birthday card. Right, happy birthday. Here's a $20 bill. I always feel like I got to spend that on something adultish. Like if my grandma gives me $20 for my birthday, I can't just go spend it on Little Caesars. I mean, I can, but I, I feel a little bad. You know, the best $20 bill is a $20 bill you find in your jacket pocket that's a year old. Found money is the best money. It spends so easily. There's no guilt. That's why last night's Bucks win is so satisfying. It's like you finding a $20 bill in your pocket. They were down 14 with just a couple minutes to go. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the Bucks to win last night. My expectations had moved on. And then, oh, what's this? <laughs> this is the Bucks win over the heat. Look at what I found in my pocket. <laughs> That's the best kind of win, especially when it's against the heat. Screw the heat. Hell yeah. That's like finding a $20 bill in your pocket. Finding a win. You didn't know it was going to be there. Last night was great. Bucks win 121-19. We're going to start there. We're going to start with the NBA Lounge. And then, oh boy, the show is only going to continue to get better between now and 6 o'clock. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I'm warmed up. I was in for Bill today with Ben Kenny. So I, I've test ran all these takes. I, I've worked out all the content. I, I've honed in the jokes. Today's show is, let's just say, if you're listening now, you just hang out for two hours. I wouldn't recommend going anywhere. Send me a text or give me a call 608-796-2558. Twitter, you can follow me, find me, tweet me during the show or anytime. At Wisco Grant, Mike Clements going to be here at 5:30. He's an in indie bumping elbows with NFL draft scouts and coaches and GMs and other reporters. He's boots on the ground for us. He's going to give us the latest from Indy, the NFL Combine. Uh with draft stuff, yes, but also remember Matt LaFleur spoke to the media. Brian Gudikin spoke to the media. And Mike Clemens was right there. So he's going to update us on everything Packers. Then probably some draft stuff, too. Great friend of show. Good, good buddy, Bart Winkler, will be here at 430. We're going to talk about a couple different things. Sometimes when Bart comes on, I have a very specific game plan. I have a game that I want to play with him or I have a specific segment. I just want to kick around some different things. I want to talk to him about the Bucks, a little bit about baseball, and maybe if the feel is right. We'll get into Rodgers. We barely talked about Rodgers on Bill's show today, me and Ben Kenny. We only got there at like 1.30. A 
A lot of baseball, a lot of Badgers, a lot of Bucks. So I like that. We'll bring up Rodgers if it comes up organically. If not, I'm, I'm not going to force it. I think we've heard enough from Aaron Rodgers. Well, not from Aaron Rodgers, but everyone else on Aaron Rodgers. So that's kind of what the show looks like. Mike Clemens at 530, Bart Winkler at 430. Very, very exciting. Of course, we're going to work Badgers in throughout and baseball lockout. But first, uh, we're going to step into the NBA lounge. You know the rules. You know how this works. If you're new here during the NBA season, every Thursday show starts with a little NBA catch-up. We play some schwanky music. It's a good opportunity for you to grab some coffee. We just shoot the breeze. It's very low stress. It's very easy. And if you don't like the NBA, well, it's one segment. We'll be done in just a couple minutes. And if it's your favorite segment, well, you know where it is. Set your alarm. You can go find the podcast. It's every Thursday at 4. All right? All right. Let's get going. It's been an interesting NBA week. Monday was the day that everyone, by the way, officially announced their concern with the Bucks. Not just every show in Wisconsin. Like Bill's show. I saw some shows in Milwaukee. The questions on Twitter and the questions on the air, the poll questions were, you know, are you starting to worry about the Bucks? What's your level of concern about the Bucks? Are you getting worried? Are you getting concerned? Even national shows. This is the MO this week. I listened to Bill Simmons' pod from Sunday. I'm going to read you the description. The episode was called... Harden's re-rejuvenation and the NBA Saboteur Hall of Fame with Ryan Rossillo. Here's the podcast description. Ready? The Ringer's Bill Simmons is joined by Ryan Rossillo to discuss Harden's debut in Philly, officially worrying about the Bucks and Miami's potential before chatting about when to unleash Ben Simmons in Brooklyn, DeRozan's renaissance, and the Durant-Harden relationship. Everyone on Monday, they're like, hey, we're concerned about the Bucks now. It's official. Lock it in. It's bizarre. The Bucks' concern topic, I think, is dumb, and we've talked about this this week, but I think it's an important signal. It's a signal that NBA fandom and those in the media who talk and cover the NBA, we're taking inventory. We're starting to look around the league and actually think, okay, but which one of these teams can actually contend? Like, I know it's fun to watch this team, and they have good highlights. They're winning games, but can they really do it in April and in May, maybe into June? This is a great exercise. And we've been doing it this week with the Bucks. It'd be fun to do it with some other teams. The West is the interesting conference to take inventory right now. Because I don't think public perception equals reality in the West right now. I think people have it a little twisted, including myself, to the last couple of days when I started to really look around the NBA and kind of update my belief on some things. Now, all season long, we've believed the West to be Phoenix and Golden State and everyone else. And I think half of that has remained true. The Suns are still that team. There's seven wins up on second place. Six games, for example, separate the one and the seventh seed in the East. The Suns have a seven-game lead over second place in their own conference. Their point differential is over eight. Golden State is 6.9. Utah is 6.7. No one in the East is topping five and a half. Suns are running away with this thing. Like, uh, like in Mario Kart, you know, when you get out in a lead and you get away from the scrum and no one can hit you with a red shell... You're not in range of anything other than a blue shell. But if you are allowed to build that lead for a lap or two, even a blue shell can't bring you back. That's the situation the Suns find themselves in. And we've known that all year, but we've included Golden State in that conversation. The Warriors are good, but I think it's time to stop lumping them in with the Suns. Let's look at 2022 only. Forget what happened before Christmas. Now, the Warriors had a nine-game winning streak between January 21st and February 7th. That streak was preceded by a 5-6 and six stretch, 
and that streak has since been followed by a two and six stretch. They have no replacement for Draymond other than maybe playing Kavon Looney 40 minutes and some spare change from James Wiseman. That probably isn't going to cut it. Probably. We'll see. Maybe Steph gets hot at the right time and can carry him for a couple of rounds. I'm not burying the Warriors. All right, I'm just taking inventory. And I don't think public perception of Golden State matches reality at this point. At this point, we're only three days into March. What about the East? The East is a lot more messy. So it's not like we have any concrete conclusions about the East. All season long, we've been saying about the West, well, it's Golden State and it's Phoenix and it's everybody else. No one's saying that in the East. We haven't been saying since Thanksgiving. Well, really, it's Chicago and uh, Brooklyn and everyone else is just fighting for second place. No, no one's saying that. Heat are the one seed, but they have no superstar, so they don't get a ton of run on talk shows because there's not really an anchor point. More on that in a few superstars get pretty important this time of year. The Bulls are the two seed. It's really impressive how they've played through injuries. And DeMar DeRozan still having a career year. That hasn't tailed off like a lot of people thought it would, but we're used to it. Just like we've gotten used to the Badgers, winning close games, winning on the road. We don't know what to say about them anymore. Like, yeah, they're, they're great. Talked about them a little this week. They won the Big Ten regular season title. But we've talked about them so much, and the stories remain the same with the Badgers since really the middle of December. Well, what's left to say? Kind of same with the Bulls at this point. Philly, Philly looks great right now, but I'm just projecting into the future. You're telling me that a trio of Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, and James Harden going to do it in the playoffs? Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Ben Kenny asked me today on Bill's show which team I'd most worry about for the Bucs. It's still Brooklyn because of KD, and I want to talk about that in a couple of minutes. Before we stop taking inventory and move on, I want to mention Boston. I can't stand the Celtics, although I find them more tolerable now than I did maybe two months ago. They've had a really bizarre 2022. They were 10 and 6 in January. They were 10 and 2 in February. Now, they're the sixth seed right now, but they have the best point differential in the East and the best defensive rating in the East by a long shot. It's not even close. In the last month alone, they've beaten the 76ers by 48. They beat Miami by 30. And they beat the Nets by 35 and 23. Now, maybe that's because they're sneaking up on some teams. Not a lot of coaches or players or even fans are talking about the Celtics. At least we weren't a month ago. No one was saying, I I know they're they're down there in the standings, but look out for Boston. That's a sleeping giant. Yeah, I didn't really hear anyone saying that. Now, the defense has been stupid good, and that's really got them rising in some computer models. We've talked about the computer models or the algorithms uh, in regards to the Badgers in college basketball. The numbers don't love the Badgers. I think they're up to 24 in the Ken Palm. They were 27 as of Sunday. The simulations and the algorithms don't love the data with Wisconsin. It's a lot of close games. It's a lot of unimpressive wins. The point differential isn't huge. The Celtics, much of the same, but their defense is so good relative to the rest of the league that a lot of these models are giving them a really good shot to win the title. 538 has them at 17% to win the NBA title, best in the league. That's insane. As we discuss the Celtics, I guess the question becomes, are they that good on defense? Do they play a brand of defense so much better than everyone else that it's going to fundamentally change a playoff series? Or is it just March 3rd and the Celtics are trying harder than everyone else on defense? Because in the playoffs, you see things balance out. 
right? And lots of different variables can balance out. If one team gets a lot of calls from the refs and shoots a lot of free throws, that typically balances out in the playoffs. If one team's defense is head and shoulders above the rest of the league, well, in the playoffs, the other team, like the Nets or maybe the Bucks, didn't really feel like trying all that hard on defense all year. Okay, well, now they're going to try. So the huge advantage that one team would have had for reasons of their defense now becomes a slight advantage. And is a slight defensive advantage enough for Boston? I don't know that it is. They have no one on offense that can hit threes. Their best three-point shooter is Grant Williams. He's hitting 43%. And he only shoots three and a half per game. That's not volume. Jalen Brown takes almost eight a game. He's shooting 34%. Jason Tatum takes eight and a half threes a game. He's only shooting 32%. So where's the volume? Where's the scoring? Where's the shooting? I don't know. Boston's cruising through January and February right now based on a defensive advantage that's insane, yes. But I don't know if that's something they can ride in the postseason. We'll see. I don't know. There's something to stick in the back of your mind. We can talk more about that as the playoffs get closer. Before we wrap up the lounge and get to the Bucks, something Ben Kenny brought up today when we were filling in for Bill, and I just I wanted to throw this out there to you. He asked me the team that I believe to be the biggest obstacle to the Bucks: the Sixers, Bulls, Heat. I didn't think I'd say this a month ago. I think it's the Nets. And that's not really contingent on Ben Simmons. That opinion really isn't based on the availability of Kyrie Irving. It's really just Kevin Durant. The biggest obstacle to the Bucs is Kevin Durant, who just happens to play in Brooklyn. I also love that they got Seth Curry. I think Andre Drummond is a really nice rotational piece for them, too. Joe Harris, if he provides anything. I mean, he gave them nothing in the playoffs last year. If he gives them a couple of made threes throughout a series, he'll be better than last year. But really, it's Kevin Durant. A really good NBA rule of thumb. The team with the best player typically wins the playoff series. Typically. Of course, there are outliers. And you might think, well, Grant, back in 2019, the Bucs came up short against the Heat, and they had the best player in that series. Yeah, but Giannis didn't play like the Giannis we've seen since. Giannis is the best player in any series, but if they come up short, it's probably because Giannis didn't play like the best player in that series. Kawhi outplayed him in 2018. The Heat as a whole outplayed Giannis in anything he could do individually in 2019. In the last year, Giannis took over, and what do you know? Beat some really good teams. Giannis is the best player in every series they played. They won every series they played, conveniently. Team with the best player typically wins the series. So your outlook on the Bucks, at least relative to the East, is basically a reflection of your belief in Giannis or lack of belief in Giannis. If you think the Bucks, despite some underwhelming performances recently, can win games against the Heat and take that series, win games against the Sixers and take that series, or win games against the Nets and take that series, if you believe the Bucks able to win those series, that means you think really stupidly high of Giannis. And I think he's worthy of that belief. Right? Because Giannis has the potential to be the best player in any series they play. Maybe not dramatically so over Kevin Durant. I think he impacts the game more than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant might be the better player. But that's a horse apiece. As we think about the Bucks' chances getting out of the East, contending in the East, winning series in the East, whatever, however you want to frame it, your belief and your confidence level in the Bucks is really a reflection of how confident you are in Giannis. 
And that's something to remember as we embark on the final weeks of the regular season and get closer to the playoffs. Let's take a break. I want to talk about Bucks Heat from last night. We'll talk Bucks, etc. with Bart Winkler from WSSP. He'll join us at 4.30. Wisco Sports Show, back in a few. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills, I hope you're having an absolutely terrific Thursday. I'm glad you're here. You can text to call the show if you'd like, 608-796-2558. I've been told by multiple people that I say the phone number too fast. So it is a goal of mine this week to calm down a little bit on that. Uh, Brett and Eau Claire, thanks for reaching out. Jason, nice to hear from you. Here is a text from Tom in Eau Claire. Eau Claire, Tom. Says, I realize today is Thursday and you'll start with the NBA, but oh my God. Okay, well, at least he gets the deal. He says, what's going on with baseball? Ban the shift. You live by the shift, you die by the shift. Good players know how to adjust and beat the shift. At this rate, the NBA or the MLB is going to be... I can't, this makes me laugh. At this point, Major League Baseball, uh, a chimpanzee is going to be able to manage a team. Liken the shift to blitzing in football. If you take it away to, quote, protect the quarterback, next thing you know, D-lineman will have to count to three uh, Mississippi before rushing. Thank you, Tom. Sorry I struggled to get through that. Um, We're going to talk about baseball in a few minutes. Bart Winkler is going to be here. Baseball is just going to kind of come up, I think. I don't think this is getting resolved anytime soon, so I don't know if I'm going to lead the show talking about baseball or build really specific long rants and segments to talk about baseball. I think it's just going to come up organically. It's like, hey, we're talking about the Bucks beating the Heat last night. And also, man, what the hell, baseball, right? So I agree with you, Tom, about the shift. I don't know if I want them to ban it or not. You think players would have adjusted by now, but they haven't. So we'll talk more about that. Again, Bart Winkler going to join us in about 10 minutes. We'll talk Bucks, a little baseball as well. Last night, folks, this was this was choice. The Bucks won 120-119. This game... Felt like finding a $20 bill in your pocket. This is not a win I expected to get after watching the first three and a half quarters. I thought the Bucs were going to lose last night. At home to the Heat without Kyle Lowry, and I knew it was going to happen. I'm like, ugh, Bucks fans are going to freak out on Twitter, and this is going to be a thing. It just, it's just, well, whatever. I want to forget about it. So, the Bucs stole that win last night. I know this to be true. Here's why. I only watched the first three and a half quarters. Live. I had a buddy who had a going-away party last night. We took them around, and the first couple spots we were at, they had TVs. The Bucks games were on. Now, the last place that we went, we wanted to play darts. No TV, right? So I was keeping up with the score on my phone, and, and I even had the game on my phone at some point. But it got to a certain point, the Bucks were down like 15, and it's my buddy's last night. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my phone away now. The Bucks have lost. I've accepted it. Then my phone buzzes me. The Bucks have won. I'm like, no, I'm reading this wrong. I open it up. Yes, it's true. I get home from the bar, and I'm like, we should watch the highlights of this game. I'm interested to see how this happened. And I'm watching the highlights thinking, how do they win this? Is they're down, you know, seven, eight points with a minute to go? I'm like, what? This must be wrong. I must be watching the wrong highlight. And then they stole it out of nowhere at the end. 
That's a very satisfying win. Today's a very satisfying day to be a Bucks fan because you know Heat fans are pissed. They gave that one away, and they know it. And that's just funny. <laughs> For lack of a, a more specific and educated breakdown, that's just funny. That's really funny. Screw the Heat. And they're stupid fans. They're fraud fans, Heat culture, whatever. Earlier this week, I compared the Bucks and the Chiefs. Two teams you know have a championship ceiling. You know the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl. We've seen it. And their top level of play is beyond anyone in the league. You know the Bucks can win a title. We just saw it. And with Giannis and Chris and Drew, their top level of play is as good as anyone's, right? Championship ceiling. But throughout the regular season with the Chiefs, we only saw it in flashes here and there. You'd get it for 10 minutes here. You'd get it for a game here. But then it would shut off for a couple of weeks or it would shut off for a couple of quarters. Same with the Bucks. They're capable of putting together really good quarters, really good games, but sustaining it and kind of leveling off. Like, you know when you're on a boat, pontoon or a speedboat, and you're, and you're putting along very slowly, and then you want to go faster, so you give it the gas? There's that moment in a boat where you're plowing through the water, but as soon as you reach a certain speed, the boat, like, pops up and planes on top of the water, and now you're gliding. So with a boat, you're either going slow or you're going fast, There's really no middle ground because if you try to go that middle pace, it's going to plow through the water and it's really inefficient. So you need to get to the point where the boat kind of pops up and glides on top of the water. The Bucks and the Chiefs and other championship teams after a title run, they get stuck in that middle ground where they'll get going and they'll pick up for a quarter or a couple minutes or a week and then they'll sink back down. And they really struggle to get to that level where they're planing and gliding. We've seen it in moments with the Bucks, but I'm, I, I want to see it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, where I really start to feel good. But then again, let's save it for the playoffs. Let's save it for a week before the playoffs, right? Let's kick it into gear when it matters. So I, I'm okay. I'm just kind of trying to put into words how I've seen the Bucks and, and what kind of vibe I've gotten from them so far this season. It reminds me a lot of the Chiefs. Last night's win is impossible without championship medal. I, I don't think the Bucks win a game like that last night if not for winning a title or winning at the highest level, because teams that win a title together, they have a certain connectedness, certain trust factor, right? It's like being in a foxhole with someone, right? Once you go through that with a buddy, I mean, I, I trust you, man. Like, we were in a foxhole together. We were in Korea, right? Like Frank Barone on Everybody Loves Raymond would always say, I was in Korea, right? The Bucks were in an NBA finals. These long six, seven game series, these absolute battles, these wars with each other. And that brings a certain connectedness. Like, the Bucks never let go of the rope last night. Never once. They had multiple opportunities. They were down 14 points. Tyler Hero's just putting in work. He's got 30. Gabe Vincent's hitting threes. The Heat shot almost 50% from three. They shot 47% from three. It would have been easy for the Bucks to say, you know what, screw this. This isn't our night. We're not even healthy yet. Just want to get out of here. But they didn't. Reminded me a lot of the playoffs. They're down 0-2 to Brooklyn. They're down to Atlanta, and then Giannis gets hurt, and they dig out of that hole. And then they're down 0-2 to Phoenix, and they're down 15 points in the start of Game 5, and they come back, come back, come back, come back. Never let go of the rope. They didn't let go of the rope last night. And that final sequence of the game that ended in the Drew Holiday walk-off, that was all based on trust. Trust you only get from winning big playoff games. Trust, 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 right? Bud trusted his guys to go execute that final play without a timeout. Didn't call a timeout. They had two of them. Chose to just go with it. Trust his guys to go make a play. Chris and Giannis. Chris has hit a bunch of big shots. Giannis is the two-time MVP. He's Giannis. He scored 50 in a playoff game, and yet Chris and Giannis trusted Drew 
to go make a play because the matchup was good. Drew had a matchup against Gabe Vincent one-on-one. Uh-huh. I'll take that. Drew talked about after the game, the plan for that was to go up with a couple seconds left. So if he missed, Giannis could be there for a putback attempt. So Drew, in getting that ball high up off the glass, is trusting Giannis in that if that shot doesn't fall, he trusts his teammate to go get the rebound and, and put it home. Everyone's trusting each other. Trust, trust, trust. All throughout that final sequence, from Coach Bud to Chris and Giannis to Drew, a lot of layers of trust. And I think that trust only comes and can only be formed when you win huge playoff series or, like the Bucks did, won a title together. And last night I watched that finish, I was like, okay, there's the championship medal. And there it came out. The Heat didn't have it. The Bucks did. It's a big advantage. A lot of teams don't have championship medal like that. That's a weapon. That's a skill. And the Bucks wielded it last night to steal a game from the Heat at home, 121-19. Let's take a break. Get Bart Winkler on the horn. WSSP Milwaukee, longtime friend of show. We're going to talk about the Bucks, a little baseball. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will come up. He always seems to. He'll join us coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in a couple of minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Mike Clements is going to give us a report from the Combine. Our guy Mike Clements is an indie. Going to steakhouses and bumping elbows with journalists and coaches and GMs. So he's going to give us the latest. Matt LaFleur and Goody both spoke in the last couple of days, so we'll get an update on that. And I don't know. Maybe Mike has some prospects, draft crushes. I, I don't know. I haven't started to learn about the draft yet. That'll take time. Right now, in the meantime, Bart Winkler, WSSP Milwaukee, one of the best friends of this show, has been for a while. He is joining us. Bart, uh, I, I see that you're still waking up for your nap. I appreciate you getting up for this. I did mornings last week for a couple of days, so I I respect your schedule. It's it's tough this time of day. Yeah, I'm 37 years old. I take a nap every day. Not like a short nap. I took like 20-minute naps last week. I come home for a little lunch, take a quick nap, and then go back to work. I don't think I could do hours back in bed. I don't uh, think I'd be able I to do that. I think today was only two hours. Oh, damn. Well, you look well-rested. You look great. It's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah, well, I mean, I do have a kid, but he's in daycare, so you got to take advantage when you can. Yeah, I think you do. Can we start with Bucks? I have some Bucks things that I want to talk about. You got your Bucks hat on. Do you mind? We do that? No, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm a guy that, like, thinks the regular season is irrelevant, but when you play the Heat, it is not irrelevant. I'm so glad they won last night. I am, too. I watched between a couple of bars. We had a going-away uh, party for a buddy. And I actually didn't watch the last couple minutes because I put my phone on. I was like, okay, they lost. So I, I turned the game off. And then I saw the final score. Confused. Wow. And then I watched the highlights. And right up until there was like 30 seconds left in this highlight clip, I was so confused on how they won. I, that's a really satisfying win. I, I don't know that it means anything, but it's really funny to steal a game against the Heat, who I don't like at all. You know, I think the players uh, were kind of talking about, I know Drew and Giannis were talking about how, you know, this is a good a good like tone setter yeah and it's good to have this win but it is still one game although you know sometimes you look back at the season and think that game that could have been the game that could have been the game i I think uh it's probably better for the fans honestly well it keeps us from going nuts oh yeah you know you lose saturday night to the heat 
in the uh, or the Nets rather, and they only got Kyrie, and it's a home loss, and you're like, ah oh, man, I don't know. Does this team have what they had last year? Do they have that turn on the switch factor? Do they have the metal to get it done? Last year's team down against the Hawks, down against the uh, the, the Nets. Nets, down against the Suns. You know uh, the Hawks. I mean, they they were without Giannis. There's so many, there's so many things they had to overcome last year. Can they do that again this year? And then this week so far, they've dismantled the Hornets. And then against the uh, Heat last night, they came back down 14 with six to go. So I think fans that were worried that this isn't a championship team because you win a championship one year now, we have to win it every year. Yeah, I think they're. Uh, I think this was good for the fans. We'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, the Bulls are going to be yeah. ready. They, they might the really want that. Thing. So like weirdly personal. They're going to be and really. Sunday's bad. huge. Sunday's huge against Phoenix. But you know, so far this week, great, great week for the Bucks. Well, they. I, I think maybe this week is a sign that they're like, all right, let's start getting the house in order a little bit. Like they got the week off to a great start against the Hornets. It reminds me so far of that West Coast road trip about a month ago. When they beat up on the Clippers, beat up on the Blazers, and then they ended up at the end of the week losing to the Suns, but still a pretty good run of basketball. I went back and I looked at last season, Bart. Remember all the close losses the Bucks had last year, right? They had some tough losses to Phoenix by one point. They had a tough loss to Brooklyn. Uh, they had a really tough loss to Golden State in April. And all season long, we're like, well, they're going to learn from this, right? They're going to get better. They're going to be a better team in the playoffs for this reason. Does that logic still play now? Because it should. Right? Like, look at the Packers. The Packers have cruise controlled through three straight regular seasons, and it hasn't worked out. Maybe it's a good thing the Bucks are taking their lumps and kind of having ups and downs. Like, I, I don't know. Adversity is a good thing, right? Yeah, Portis said so the other night after they lost uh, a game. He said these kind of games, you know, it matters. It, it, it matters. We can try to we can try to learn from these. Uh, I think that was against the Sixers. He might have said that yeah. one. But it, does, it, it is like it does help. You know, they've been losing close games for years, and it does help. It does help them. You learn that experience. That's one of the things that people like for the Bucks this year or even last year in the playoffs. They have experience. Experience is something that matters. And so some of these games, yeah, you might lose, but if it's a regular season game and you're still going to make the playoffs, did it help you? Did you? Can you benefit from it? That's yeah. what you have to do. When you lose, you'll have so many people tell you. I mean, you know, the Gary V's of the world will tell you, like, oh, losing, the winning's not, winning sucks. Uh, you got to lose. I don't know if anyone knows who Gary V is. He's all over my Facebook. Who is that? It's some dude. It's, it's some, you know, Facebook has like TikTok on it now. Oh, yeah. It's too much. It sucks. Yeah. They just like steal TikTok. Yeah. Gary so that v? guy, it, I'm going to need more, v. but now that he's been brought up, I like, I, I, we can't just let this go. It's just some guy that's always telling you like, don't go to college. And uh, if you want money, buy nine houses and sell 12 of them. Oh, he looks like a Belarusian American entrepreneur. This guy. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. So you're saying no win is ever okay. That or no loss is ever okay. That, that's what he's saying is the win is the only thing that matters. Is that the point of this? Well, not just a win. You got to like trample them. You got to, oh, you know. But yeah, learn, learn from every game. Learn from the wins. Learn from the losses. And the Bucks have been able to, to do that. I feel good about them going into the playoffs. I don't know that they win it without Brooke or they win it without Connaughton. I'm assuming they both come back in time since. Yeah. We assumed uh, with the Packers though too. Like that's 
I don't know. Sometimes that's a tough game to play. I, I mean, I think Brook will be back in some capacity. Maybe if they split time between him and Serge Ibaka, they didn't get a lot of Brook minutes in the postseason last year anyways. He's actually more useful in the regular season, right? You want him around because you want all the bodies to kind of get through um, 82 full games. I, I like Giannis's mindset about losses. Like after a win or after a loss, he never seems too happy about a win or bummed about a loss. He always wants to, I think, pop open the hood and actually look at the different factors in the game. Like, well, were we good at this and not good at this? Like, he's always looking for something to work on. So I think if there's any player in the NBA that could benefit from tough losses, and the Bucks have had a few, I, I think it's Giannis, and I feel really good about that. We're talking with Bart Winkler, the fan in Milwaukee. Can I ask you a couple baseball questions? I, I'm not really sure about how I feel about some. There's so much. It's such a broad topic with all these different details. Like today we're talking about, I was in on Bill's show with Ben and, we're talking about, well, do you want to get rid of the shift? I'm like, I don't know. Yesterday, no. we're talking about salary cap. We're ta- like, it's something different every day. There, there's so much with baseball. It sucks. I just, I don't know. When you talked about it on your show this morning, how did you tackle baseball? I feel like I don't know where to start. Well, I think the problem with baseball is Rob Manfred, obviously. I think so. Uh, for the last seven years, since he's been commissioner, every everything that has come out has been negative. It's been a negative thing. It's been a rule change that maybe like a couple of fans will say, oh, yeah, all right. I don't mind that. No one was clamoring for those changes. Nobody asked for these rule changes. Like nobody in the NFL, there's at least, hey, the pass interference, man. It's like, should it be 40 yards if you can just chuck it downfield? And we're not at the point where we're outside Park, you know, Avenue yelling for Goodell about it. But there's at least worthwhile discussion about it. There's not a lot of discussion about, man, you got to put a guy in second yeah. in the extra innings. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to have bigger bases. You got to, there's not a lot of discussion about that. There's some discussion about, I guess, speeding up the game with the pitch clock. I don't like it. There should be no time in baseball. No, no. The baseball, you don't have, there is no clock. No, don't add a clock. There's no clock. There's the errors and runs and hits. That's what you have. No clock. And if you want to, if you want to abandon the, sh- if you want to ban the shift, like, yeah, I don't think if you want to ban the shift, yes. you're obviously someone who wants to ban the shift. I think that says a lot about you as a person, and I don't wow. think it says a lot of good stuff about wow. you. Wow, how so? Yeah. I love this take already. I don't know where you're going to go with it, but I'm excited to to see. Oh, uh, this team is doing something that I don't understand it, and I don't like it. Take it away. Well, no, they're doing it because there's a percentage of uh, hits that they can take away because of the way that you hit. I mean, geez, I play kickball. You know, by the third time I'm, I'm up to kick, everybody's moving to the left side of the diamond because they know I don't kick down the first baseline. I only kick it over there. You're pulling Because I'm fat and slow, and if I can try to get just a little extra space to run. And then why these 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 – the, the shift, just bunt the ball. Nobody will do it. Okay, here's a question. Is it stubbornness that players just refuse to They're bunt to beat the they shift? Is it, is it embarrassed? Is it, is, it a, yeah. is it a pride thing? Or is pitching pride. right now truly that good where it's impossible? I have a hard time believing that. I don't know. I know pitching's better than it's ever been. And then you see the videos of a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. You're like, oh, how are you supposed to bunt that? Like, yeah, I agree. But you can't just rope it open one down the third base line. Like, I, I don't know. It's like all these players are like, no, change the rules. 
I don't want to change the way I'm playing. And I, I don't know. I don't like that. You adapt. The game adapts and, still, and changes all I the time. I still think the majority of people don't want to ban the shift. That it's like a Rob Manfred-induced thing. He keeps he keeps trying to change things that nobody's asking for. Uh, the, the Astros cheat their way to a World Series. Although I would say that was, if you're going to cheat, that was pretty... Clever, like, they really clever, way, clever way to go about it is how you're going to say. <laughs> did, like, did they really cheat, though? I mean... I, I know I, we all decided we hate them, but weren't they smart? Wasn't that... I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I know if the Brewers did it, I'd be defending it to this day. Well, yeah, I mean, Ryan Braun's a Hall of Famer, and I won't let a damn person tell me otherwise. So, yeah, you're probably right about that. But, but he didn't punish them. He didn't, he didn't do anything to them. And then now this lockout where... They did want they did want a lockout. They were going to force the players to have a terrible deal, or they going or they were going to do what they wanted to do, which was miss games because the owners don't make money on the April games. Too I love many, the April nobody games. goes. They're my favorite games. Screw the owners. I want I want spring baseball. Well, they don't care about you, and they they showed that not once. <sighs> Finally, I think Mike Trout said something on Facebook, but not once until Tuesday did anyone say anything about the fans. So I don't I don't like this like millionaires versus billionaires, dude. A billion's a lot more than a million. Yeah, like, people don't grasp that. I, I've kind of been looking into count, that. Yeah, count to a million. It might take you a little bit, but then try do that a hundred, do that a thousand times. That's a billion. Yeah, a million. One billion is ten. One billion nice. is a thousand million. Nice. Yeah, you got it. That's and, a lot of millions. Well, and that's what bothers me. I, I read a piece from a Ken Rosenthal column yesterday. The owners were always going to come out ahead in this, right? They were always going to have the leverage and the advantage, but that yeah. wasn't enough for them. They needed to stomp the players down and really win and take a lap and then flip them off as they walked away. And the, the game, like, that's not necessary. Just take your stack of money and sit in your box and let them play. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's obviously... We're going to have to follow along with all these different details about CBAs, and it's exhausting, and I don't know. I'll probably just talk about something else. We're talking with Bart Winkler. I have a Rodgers take. Can, can we talk about Rodgers for three minutes before I let you go? I had something I was thinking about today. I'm sure you yeah. saw that they got rid of all the COVID protocols for next year, and I, yeah. I, I saw in the uh, Pro Football Focus tweeted that news out, and then their graphic was a picture of Aaron Rodgers fist pumping, which I thought was hilarious. But then I That's started. Good. It, it was pretty good. Then I started to think about it. I don't think they can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. They haven't come close the last few years. I don't know why that would change next year. But I, I also think it's a personality thing, right? With what we've learned about Rodgers this year, a little, little narcissistic, a little weird. It's tough. I feel like this is a Colin Cowherd take, but it's tough to win at the highest level with a guy like that. And I, I bet if you gave Aaron Rodgers truth serum and in his own little world, I think he believes that this season was a huge success for him. Regardless of how the playoffs turned out, I think if you'd ask him, he'd be like, this is one of the best years of my career. I modernized the way that the Packers do business, and I bet he feels as though that's an accomplishment for him. He probably feels very responsible for the NFL doing away with COVID protocols, even though he's not. They were going to do that anyways. <laughs> and I bet yeah, he feels, probably. yeah, I-, I want an MVP, and I'm going to get paid. And and in his mind, I think he's very satisfied. And he's back with Shailene, and I think he's very content with losing in the division round. And I don't want my quarterback content with losing in the divisional round. I know I'm assuming a lot of things, but is, would any of that shock you if he felt that way? I think he probably does, and I, I don't know. That's an issue. Yeah, I don't... I think it's clear what he cares about. He cares about his perception 
but somehow having a legacy of not being able to win more than one Super Bowl and always choking the playoffs does not fall into his perception. Oh, yeah. He's I just, more than the, an athlete, the, though. He's made way more than – he's an activist now. The weekend that they play the divisional round, he catches wind of an article going to be written about him. Mm-hmm. Based on, you know, the way he dealt with COVID over the season. Yeah. Assumes it's going to be a hit piece. Yeah. Of which there were dozens, scores. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say scores. <laughs> scores and scores. Nice. There were scores upon scores of hit pieces. So many already. But this one, he calls the reporter. Mm-hmm. The reporter... Stunned. Uh, Press right. record. All right, I'll take. Uh, sure. I mean, hey, the reporter's like, I did my diligence and sent an email to the Packers, and I was never going to get them. This guy's just calling me two nights before the game. Yeah, talks to me for a half hour. And then he goes out two days later and throws in a double coverage. Bro, I, I t- I've talked about this on my show, and when I bring it up, there are people who are like, "You're defending Joe Biden." This has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Joe Biden's old. I don't. He Joe makes Biden me, makes me sad because he slammed Joe Biden in this piece, right? And he's like, I don't know how he became president. Remember? And yeah, hey, I, I don't. I, his name's Brandon the Moon. Oh yeah, <laughs> sorry, Brandon Biden. Brandon. When that piece came out, and I read this, I'm like, this is just terrible for the vibes. You have a playoff game in two days, and this is coming out. Like, I, I I'm not telling him to shut up and dribble because I know that that's not how we should feel about our athletes. But sorry, two days before a playoff game, like, yeah, maybe. Maybe shut up and dribble just a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. I, I thought some of these things were very telling, and I just I, I don't know if you can win yeah. with a guy like that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's so much like did Rodgers, was he responsible for the game himself? Yeah. There's a lot of people that, and we can't, like, agree no, we on all that. that. We can agree that that Brandon had a hell of a speech on Tuesday. I, I couldn't mean, watch Mike, it. It was yeah. it was gonna make me sad. We had to watch a Manfred presser and a Biden public appearance in one day. I'm like, I can't, this is too much. I can't. I can't do this. I watched it. <sighs> yeah. Over the Badgers. You watched it over the Badgers. Yeah, I did. Not, not. the first half. Okay, that's good. I by the way, before I let you go, I was gonna start by asking you about the Badgers. I was gonna ask you something real specific because I know you don't follow the Badgers that no, closely. Try me. No, I do it. Okay. Well, what do you want me to ask you? I I don't. I'm not just a vending machine of questions. I don't just pop them out. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Give me a Badger steak real quick. Give me one off the cuff. Riff, if you were a stand-up comic and you just were thrown up on stage, give me something. Give me some of your Badger material. Oh, um, Johnny Davis? Johnny, Johnny Davis. Johnny Davison. Johnny, here's a, Johnny Davis is probably... Half as good as his twin brother. I don't know why Jonathan's not getting the run or whatever the real name is. Jordan? Jordan. Dude, they're from lacrosse. You lived in lacrosse the longest time. For 12 years ago. Yeah, but still, once a, once a lacrosse guy, always a lacrosse guy. At least I thought. I don't know. Get into the Badgers. They're fun. You don't have to be obsessed with them. You don't need to make it your personality trait. But, like, damn, they're a fun team. Enjoy them a little bit. But I, I was going to try to spring a Badgers question on you and... I just decided, ah, better not. We'll do baseball and bucks. I've been in lacrosse in so long, I still ask people where the Quillins is. Well, there's one on French Island. 
Of just, course there is. Yeah, of course. Life moves a little bit more slowly. I have a caller from the island. If we're talking baseball, I'll probably hear from him today. Big baseball guy. Bart, I got to go. Thank Does you. Does he work at the Blockbuster over there? <laughs> That's funny, but no. <laughs> I, know, I know where he works. It's not the Blockbuster. This it's has been not. fun. Thank you. Um, those Rogers takes are going to upset a couple people, but that's fine. I'm going to come back and talk about something else. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Bart Winkler, WSSP Milwaukee. Thank you for the time. At Wings Thinks on Twitter. Wisco Sports Show back in a couple of minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. A couple of tweets, some reviews are in about that interview with our friend Bart Winkler. Uh, ben says things Bart needs, weight loss program, new job, and original thoughts. Uh, here's another tweet. Listening to this Bart clown is absolutely the worst part of my week. Bart is so run of the mill with all of my other guests. Bart does nothing different than like any other person on the show. We love everyone else. People don't like Bard for some reason. Thank you for the tweets, though. People are raving in the reviews. They can't stop talking about that content. Uh, if you missed it, that'll be in the podcast. I'll put it up just after 6 o'clock. What was the best part of that interview? What can we actually continue to build on? We can probably let the Rogers stuff be with baseball. I, I, I guess I, I do agree. I don't really know why they're giving us some of these rule changes. Bigger bases, I get it. Just make first base bigger. Fine. We don't need to make legislation about it. Just add a second base, like in slow pitch softball, so people aren't running into each other. All right, but bam, easy. I don't want a pitch clock. I don't think any baseball fans do. Baseball with rule changes and with structural changes, stop trying to invent a new audience and attract a new audience and just satisfy the audience that you have. Getting games on and playing games would be a great way to start. Let's take a break. Get an update from Evo. We'll talk more about the Bucks coming up next. Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, you know, um, hypothetical. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Wow, the first half of the show is done and people are raving, ranting and raving. Listen to some of these tweets about that interview. Wow. Wow. Uh, Listening to this Bart clown is absolutely the worst part of my week. That's a tweet at Wisco Grant. Uh, This one says, Bart is a walking L. Um, Here's one that says, things Bart needs, weight loss program, new job, and original thoughts. Wow. They're all from one person. I'm starting to think that this guy has some beef with Bart. (laughs) We appreciate Bart's time. Find him on Twitter, at Winks Thinks. It's very funny. Bart's just another radio guy. I have Evo on, Pat Dan Casper on, Dave Carney, just other radio hosts, other ideas. Jeez. You'd think Bart would be supporting Putin the way that the reaction comes in. We just talked about the Bucks a little bit. Bizarre. 
whatever. R- ranting and raving in the reviews, though, about the first hour of the show. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I appreciate you hanging out. Mike Clements is going to be here in a half hour. There's somebody that everybody loves. We'll get the approval rating back up when Mike joins us live from the Combine. He will be here at 530. Matt LaFleur spoke. He'll update us on that. Brian Gudekinst. And maybe, I don't know, maybe Mike's doing some scouting down there, too. Maybe he's uh, he's got a little draft crush, you think? I don't know. We'll talk to Mike. I'm interested and intrigued. Excited to hear what he has to say. He's coming up in a half hour. Let's speak with Vagabond John, 608-796-2558. John, what's up? Welcome. Someone had to call in and defend Bart, uh, <laughs> so I figured, you know, I'd die on the hill. Might as well, right? Yeah, might as well. I like Bart. Do I, I like really- every opinion he's ever had? No, but that's the case with most people. I actually really liked his take on uh, on the baseball. I haven't officially decided what my stance is, you know, on the shift or non-shift. We could talk about the millionaires versus billionaires. Yeah. I think it's like less than half of the of the actual players that play are millionaires, so it's not really real. Yeah. Uh, but when he started talking about kickball, I mean, I'm a guy who just, you know, <laughs> in third grade, as a left-footed kicker, that first baseline was my prime spot, but he's totally right. I mean, if kids in elementary school and, you know, I was a PE major myself. Uh, so, you know, we're teaching game concepts and the number one thing you have to do as a player or as a coach is adapt to the game. Yeah. And sure enough, by the time, you know, morning recess, I'd be just hitting uh, bangers down the first baseline. <laughs> and then all of a sudden afternoon recess, I, I, I'm facing the shift and third grade me, <laughs> Did exactly what he said, though. I remember the bunt game because they'd be backing up in the outfield all over first base, and I'm sitting here. If I try to kick the third, I'm just going to foul out. So then I'm I have to bunt, and I'm he's totally he totally nailed it. I just thought I'd call in because I'm like, wow, I can really relate to that. You know, coming out <laughs> of third grade, you know, all star kickball player. So I thought that was awesome. Uh, his take on Gary Vee was super interesting because I actually know quite a bit about him. He's a he's a baseball card seller. Yeah. Uh, so he, he knows a lot about baseball. But um, I did have one other question to kind of switch gears a little bit, and I had floated this out on a couple chat forums just to see what, what the thinking is. It's NFL-related. Uh, when we're talking about Jair Alexander with the, pa- with the Packers, yep. obviously we didn't have him play most of this past year. He's moving on to his second contract. What's that number going to be? I can't imagine he's going to ask for less than 18, and I have a strong feeling he's going to ask to be the highest-paid corner just because that's what everyone does at every position, right? Whoever signs the next contract gets the highest. So with Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, and you could obviously re-sign Kevin King. I know there's a lot of people that just groaned. But with those three possibly as your corners without Jair, Maybe a combined cap hit of like twelve million. <sighs> Would it be worth bringing bringing in Jair Alexander at twenty two per year? Yes, I think so. Yeah, if he comes back next year and looks like the player we thought he always was, and he looks solid and good, yeah, I'm paying Jair. You you can backload the deal. I- so, like, that's the nice thing about an extension, right, is you can give him his contract and give him his security, but it doesn't have to hurt all at once. Of all the players that I'd consider letting go, Jair's probably at the bottom of the list. Now, a third contract, I, I don't know, that's a different discussion, but 
you draft someone yeah. great like that at all pro level, you don't just let them leave after their rookie deal, right? It's it's tough. It's the it's the uh, it's the economics, right? Because if you're trying to bring back, remember, it's not in a vacuum. We're trying to bring back a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if you were to ask me, would you rather have Jair Alexander or uh, Rashawn Gary on the roster for the next four years? I don't have an easy answer there because I know that corners, as soon as they hit that 27-28, I mean, we saw it to Patrick Peterson. We saw mm-hmm. it to Josh Norman. You could go down the list. As soon as those guys hit 27 or 28, um, they really fall off, and you get stuck with some really bad contracts. Now, obviously, it doesn't happen to everybody. Richard Sherman is probably the most prominent example of a guy uh, succeeding at the position until – after 30, yeah. but, you know, it's just uh, it's money ball, right? And it's really fascinating with roster building the NFL. Uh, I, right now, would not pay Jair uh, Alexander $22 million to stick around just because he is coming off of an injury. He has missed time in every season, I believe, uh, except for 2019. Um, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my take with that. Lastly, with the, with the combine, I want to know what the over-under – is for bench press reps by Leo Chanel because I might set it at 40. Okay, well, it's funny, I, it's funny you bring this up because Ben Kenny on the Bill Michaels show today, we were talking about this, and he said Chanel might break the record for linebackers for bench press. It's it's pretty likely. I think he put up high 30s in high school. So Jeez. assuming he didn't get weaker in college, <laughs> I Safe don't be surprised if you see something crazy like 45. And I tell you what, I know the Packer fans hated passing on T.J. Watt. Obviously, that was a a, a bad move. Um, but, you know, if, if Chanel's sitting there in the third round and we pass on him as well, I'm pretty pretty upset unless we land like maybe like a N'Kobe Dean in the first or something like that. But anyways, uh, excited to watch the Combine. Uh, I love the NFL offseason, so I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon about it again. Yeah, heck yeah. I'm going to need people who know more about the draft than I do to call in and help me. So I'll look forward to that, John. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Yep, you as well. Talk to you soon. Vagabond John. Here's how I do the combine and the draft. And I was talking earlier today with Perry Goldstein, who's going to be on at some point, I think maybe next week. And here's why. She's going to see Marcus King on Friday, and I love Marcus King. Well, that would be tomorrow. She's going to see him tomorrow. And I kind of want a concert review. I kind of want to hear about her experience at Marcus King, and then also we'll talk Packers. But I told her today, I'm like, look, I don't read about the draft. I'm not making my big board. I'm not making mock drafts. Here's how I learn about the draft. I listen to sports radio, and I watch sports TV, and over the course of the next month or so, I will be bombarded with so much draft information that my brain will eventually have no choice but to just accept it. So it's like it's not information that I am intentionally putting into my brain. It's just information that's going to end up there. Because I'm going to hear it over and over and over again. It's like, okay, fine. Oh, my God. Jahan Dotson is the number three wide receiver. And his his over-the-top speed is great. Fine. Fine. I'll, I'll absorb. I'll learn. Fine. Right? That's normally how I do the draft. I don't seek out information. I just listen to a lot of other people. And eventually, it just ends up in my brain. That's how it works. Leo Chanel might set the record for bench press. I'm very interested. I'm interested by his stock and where he goes. Because he grades really well but he plays a position specifically inside backer that's not really valued in the NFL marketplace like some other positions are, not like edge rusher, corner, or tackle. I don't know. I think some team might get a really good steal in Chanel, depending on where he goes. I don't know. He's a story that I'm very intrigued to follow.
Let's talk to Dave in Monona, 608-796-2558. Dave, what's going on? Welcome. First of all, nobody cares what's in your mind, so let's get that, let's get that straight, you know. Well, what's in my mind is what comes out on the show, Dave, so... No, no, that's what comes. That's what comes out when you go behind closed doors in a bathroom. But I digress. Okay, okay. As far as, as, far as Bart, no, Bart's, Bart's a dick, but he's great. These people, are, Bart's, Bart's kind of like like one of my one of my soulmates. You get these cowards that hide behind Twitter. They tweet. They tweet at you. They text at you. Yeah. Those are those are losers. You delete them. You cut them up. I so I tell people call the show or shut your pile and get lost because those are cowards. But as far as uh, baseball, the shift, yeah. <laughs> Guess what, people? If you, I go, the shift's pretty easy to beat. If I find my way, I put all nine. I put all nine people in right field, left field. It's pretty simple to beat. If you know, all you got to do is send the first nine batters up there, but nine straight times. Guess what? You know, you've already scored three, four runs, and the game's over. But you know, but you know, they won't do that. But instead, they get the shift on. There's men on first and second. You get a two and zero fastball, and what do they do? They hit right into the shift. You know, six five four three double play game. You know, innings over. I, I tell you, baseball players are the dumbest athletes. You know, two and zero, three and one kind of thing. I, I just never understood the, the, the mentality of a baseball player. As far as Packers, no, you don't bring back Alexander. Really? So twenty million. Well, here, here's why: if you think if you think Stokes is going to be the next superstar, and you got Raul Douglas, first of all, you don't bring back Kevin Queen. That that guy's probably only played what five games in healthy, but not great. You know, Rule yeah. Douglas, if you bring him back, you've already got and um, what's his face, uh, the guy from Georgia, if Eric, Eric the real Stokes. Deal, yeah, and, and I do, yeah. but you need more than one corner, don't you? Why am I the only one that like it's okay to have well, both guys. twenty million dollars? You got twenty million dollars. Hey, you know, believe it or not, I, for the first time, I put faith in Goody. I mean, that guy has proven that he could go out and you know, look at Campbell. You know, I mean, he he can go out and get players to fill and become become top notch players. Yeah, he's one of those few ones that knows what he's doing. I'll take my chances with twenty million on him. Devontae Adams, don't the door hit you on the ass all the way out of town. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I'm so you know, I'm so sick and tired of hearing his drama. I don't care if he comes back because guess what? They're just going to lose with him in January. So we get all yeah. excited or what? They go thirteen and four, and then we get to the playoffs, and guess what? We lose again. I mean, I'll take my chances with all these draft choices with Judy. He can rebuild a championship roster within two years. But see, but but Dave, here's the thing on on Jair Alexander, and I guess like, look, if you think Stokes is really good and you want to save the money, I'm not. I'm not saying that you're wrong or that you're being dumb. I just you draft a player like Jair Alexander, hoping he turns into a really good corner, so then you can pay him and keep him around, right? It's draft and develop. They've drafted him. They've developed him. And now, don't you want to keep right. him at least for the second contract? I just but how but how are you but how are you going to pay him, Rogers, Devontae Adams? You got to keep you got to keep Campbell, Campbell, the best linebacker in football. Eh, you I got to prioritize. Are, I don't know. Yeah, if you got to prioritize, I mean, you've already. I don't know. I'll take my chances. He'll go out and draft another cornerback, and like that one guy said, you know, he said he'd be twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. Patrick Peterson, you know, Norman. He, plus, he proved this year he couldn't stay healthy. I don't know. I'll take my chances with Goody and drafting the next uh, the next round and give me all the draft choices I can get, the draft capital, and trade up, trade down. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm tired of Rodgers. But yeah. you know, other than that, no, Bart, you know, Bart, Bart's a cool dude. I wish I could like call into a show and, and start harassing him because you can. Him and I might be a, you I, can. I, I, 
Is he, is he on in the morning? What is he on? He's on in the mornings, yeah, 6 to 10. So you'd have to I, carve I out know. time to harass both Ebo and Bart. But I think, I mean, you're a you're a businessman. You could schedule your time, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, Ebo, well, it gets kind of boring because, you know, yelling at Ebo is kind of like taking candy from a baby. <laughs> we all know he ain't the brightest star in the universe. And, you know, so Ebo's kind of, you know, he's, he's one of those guys you just kind of like, you like to squat, kind of like you, you know what I mean? Because he's not a metrosexual, though. He, he, you know, he actually sits on his couch and crosses his legs and drinks Bloody Marys on Sunday morning. Who the hell does that and calls himself a man? A lot of people. Grant, Grant, yeah. Grant does. Yeah. Grant from the cross. All right. I- I'm going to let you go, Dave. Have a good night, buddy. Yeah. A lot of people drink bloodies. That's not the disc that you think it is, Dave. Like, I-, I get I get what you're about, okay? You like your traditional strong man. Drinking bloodies, this is not your, trust me, you're on an island by yourself here. Like, drinking a bloody is, that's a very masculine drink. That's that's as manly as it gets. That's tomato juice and, and veggies and a beef stick, Arr, beer chaser. That that's that's real manhood. That's real masculinity. A mimosa, I don't know. Maybe that's a little more a little more refined, a little little fancy. I like I like both. It depends. I mean, you go to a place where they're charging four or five bucks for mimosas. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my cash. But if you can find a place like one of my favorite bars in La Crosse, you can get two dollar mimosas, two dollars, and they're big glass. They come in a beer glass. Yeah. Serve them up, all right? But if you're going to charge me four or five bucks for a mimosa, no, 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 no. There's nothing, there's nothing feminine about a mimosa or a Bloody Mary. Again, Dave, I don't, I don't think a Bloody Mary is what you think it is. I think you're off on your own by this one. This is, this is your deal, all right? And trust me, Dave, you have enough time in the day to call and harass more than one radio host. I, I believe in you. Let's take a break. We'll talk a little. What should, what should we talk about? What did we just talk about for 15 minutes? We took two calls. I feel like we talked about everything. Maybe a couple quick thoughts on baseball. Real quick, and then touch on last night's Bucks game. We'll do that next, and then Mike Clements will join us at 5.30. Perfect. We got it all planned out. We're ready to go. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills mike clements our good good friend who throughout the packers season joined the show twice a week he's going to join us at 5 30 just a couple minutes and i am beyond excited because he's at the combine in indy much like a radio row he's there getting scoops and getting the latest and greatest on what gm is saying what what head coach wants to trade for aaron Rodgers, which According to Goody, not a single person's called on Aaron Rodgers. Not a single one. Now, he laughed when he said it, um, but I guess everyone took him seriously because I keep seeing reports. Nobody's called on Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty sure somebody's called. The laugh and the smile from Goody would maybe maybe tell us that somebody's maybe called. Maybe. Zach is in Wisco. He gives us a ring. Zach, welcome to the show. What's up, buddy? Grant, it is great to be on the air with you, sir. It's great to have you on uh, I, I want... I want to talk about some of the Major League Baseball rule proposals. And some of them make me absolutely furious. Banning the shift. I know Dave was just on and I agree with him. Banning the shift is awful. Such an awful idea. You know, when I, when I played baseball in high school, I had a shirt and a bunch of the guys, we all, we all bought shirts that said, hit them where they're not. 
Yeah. That's the whole point of baseball is manufacturing runs. If Major League Baseball says, oh, well, home runs are the most exciting thing and so on and so forth, man, there's really nothing more exciting than scoring from first base on a double with a close play at home. Man, that is the most exciting play in baseball. I agree. There's you get a lot of things. You get, you get runners you need, to cheer for, and then you got to watch the play. This is what Ben Kenny said on Bill's show today. That's way more exciting than a home run. I, I, exactly. And I, I really don't like the whole home run versus strikeout analytic bull crap that we've been seeing in the last, you know, 15 years. I mean, it's the whole Billy Bean money ball, you know, that's taken analytics completely the wrong direction you know we we need to be looking at clutch hitting you know hit you know can you hit in the guy from second base on a single with two outs yeah that's the stuff that we need to be analyzing that's the stuff that needs to be brought forward for major league baseball that's the stuff that kids are doing in high school and i don't know where it changes where it changes in in college or if it changes it in minor league level, I really don't know. But, I mean, heck, when I played low A ball, Grant, I played low A ball right out of high school. Mm -hmm. We didn't learn about that. We were playing to win ball games by manufacturing runs. That was in 1997, Grant. That was 25 years ago. Yeah. We, You know, we were – I played third base. And I was not your typical power-hitting third baseman, you know, huge guy mashing the ball. Man, I I probably would have been better off playing second base, but I had a better arm and, you know, less range. I, I just didn't have the range. Sure. So that's why I didn't play second or short. I played third. But that's that was the game back then. I don't remember guys in 97 other than McGuire and Sosa and, you know, the guys that were roided up. There weren't guys that were roided up when I was playing low A ball. That wasn't the thing. It was about getting, it was about getting runs home. And, and that's, that's my biggest issue with analytics today is they're not bringing runs home. So is it a stubbornness thing? Are players too stubborn to hit to beat the shift or is the pitching truly so good now that it's almost impossible, right? I, I can see no. both being the case. I have a hard time believing that no one could just slap one to the opposite field, even against the pitching as so, good as it is. And and herein lies another issue. This is the unwritten rules of baseball, Grant. Mm-hmm. There, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of these unwritten rules, but a lot of them are just a pile of garbage. Again, hit them where they're not. If you can't do that, you don't belong in the batter's box. You don't belong on a major league roster. You hit it to opposite field. That's why I love guys like Otani and even before him, Ichiro. They had the capability of of hitting a ball the opposite way, slapping a, a single, turning it into a double, slapping a double, turning it into a triple. Man, that was they can do that. Guys can do that. The problem is you have a bunch of guys that are, you know, the meatheads that are just going out, you know, swing back. <laughs> swing back hard. Hit ball far. Yeah, that's what it is, I'm that's, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
it's not it's not baseball. It's not the game I grew up playing. Not the game I grew up watching. It's not the game that I'm teaching my children how to play. Well, I appreciate it, Zach. And, I, I mean, I appreciate all the I, I appreciate people's opinions because what I've learned. The more people I hear from, they'll have a slightly different approach. They feel differently about different parts of what's going on with baseball. And it's good to take a temperature and get all these perspectives. And I'm, I'm, I will say this, Grant. I do support the DH in both leagues. Major League Baseball is the only professional sport that has a different set of rules within the same league. Yeah, I would. I agree about the DH. The shift. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm still trying to decide on a lot of these different things. Zach, I gotta run. Yeah, because I gotta get to Clements. But I appreciate you. you. Let's let's talk more about this sometime. We'll, we will, sir. You have a great night. Yeah, you as well. Have a good one. That's Zach in Wisco Maytag man on Twitter. If you want more, let's take a break. A couple minutes early. That way we have lots of time with Mike, and we don't need to rush through our conversation. Mike Clements is in Indy for the combine. He's going to join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah, there's no, no new updates, um, but I do think, um, you know, specifically with Aaron, I think he's got a, a very, um, you know, uh, tough process that he goes through to get himself ready to play every season. He's, it's a big commitment, and um, you know, he's done that for a long time, and um, it certainly shows in the results. And I think he feels he needs to do that to, 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 you know, to play the way at the level he plays at, and um, so I know that that weighs on him. But I think he's going through that now. Brian Gutekinst, he is in Indy, as is Matt LaFleur, as is really the whole NFL world, including Mike Clements, who's there for the pressers and therefore, of course, the draft combine as well. Mike, welcome to the show. I'm glad we have some time today. We were a little rushed the other day. I'm sorry about that. Are you watching the draft stuff or are you mostly there for the coaches and the Packers and to get the Packers stuff? No, I'm, I'm, I'm there for everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm there for great little moments I just had like a an hour or two ago where, you know, there's this great big Indiana Convention Center and you know, it's it's, it's huge. They've been they've had this now at this location maybe 25 30 years. So there's all these little back hallways and uh and so I'm I'm taking one back hallway cuz I know the shorter route to get downstairs to the large huge um, exhibit hall where they do all the stuff that you see on TV when it comes to the interviews. And so it's, it's, it's a narrow little back hallway. It's like kind of back by an elevator door and some restrooms. And I see this masking tape down on the floor. And then here's a guy, a, here's a kid a tied in with his trainer and he's jumping up and down the hallway. He's got, he's working on his vertical leap. So this guy is coaching him in the hallway before they get on the elevator, go downstairs, take a long walk through the tunnel, go underneath the street at Missouri Street, and then the Lucas Oil <laughs> TV and the NFL Network where he starts his workout. Yeah. And, you know, the kid's like, oh, do you feel better about that? And he's coaching him, last-minute coaching. I mean, it's, it's kind of like standing out in the hallway and getting some tips before the test, you know, uh, um, before <laughs> <laughs> last minute. I mean, you've been working on this for months. You've been working on this for this moment for years. But, you know, just, just everybody's still got that little bit of insecurity. Like, you know, maybe that's, that's one thing I'm worried about is my vertical jump today. <laughs> it's 
well that you got to you got to look over everything one last time right before the test, even though you studied it front to back and been working on it, as you said, for for months and months. No, I know the combine. There's just a ton going on and it's a good place to meet people and ask questions. Is everyone at the combine talking about Packers stuff and Aaron Rodgers or is that just one tiny little factor in in everything else? Because it from our end, it seems to be dominating just about everything. No, the teams are talking about it. Sure. And, you know, the teams have to solve this problem with quarterback. I mean, Jason Lick just, you know, won a Super Bowl as the general manager of the Buccaneers a couple of years ago, did a terrific job of putting – he was already building some free agents, made some great draft picks, made some good off-season pickups, you know, like a Leonard Fournette to add to your team mm-hmm. that, you know, everyone else sort of give it up on. And then all of a sudden he gets Tom Brady in his lap and they go out – and win a Super Bowl. And now Brady, you know, retires. And so he's, you know, waiting. To, Brady said some stuff today in a podcast, by the way, with Fred Couples, the senior golfer, saying, yeah, I've spent a lot of time with uh, family and uh, we got some more things coming up and, and then we'll see. Like, what is that? What do, what do you mean, then we'll see? Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like he's got the itch again. So when you're Jason Lick with, from Tampa Bay, it's like, well, all right, well, I've got to start working on what I'm going to do at quarterback. Unless, of course, Tom Brady comes back and that's it. And then, you you know, we, as sophisticated as things have become and as much as things have changed in the league because of what just happened the last two years with the pandemic and Zoom calls and distancing, and this whole thing was canceled last year, remember? Yeah. So we're reinventing it after two, two years. You can still go in the hallway around the corner if the GM is up for it and there's four or five guys there from Tampa and yours truly from Wisconsin just kind of listening in. And a great question. The guy said, oh, Jason, he said, if you look at your pro personnel board right now, how many quarterbacks are there in the National Football League that you'd be willing to give up draft picks and trade for? And he stood there and he said, eight. Yeah. Eight. So that means out of 32 starters, this guy says, there's only eight other guys up on the board that I would pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, would you trade your quarterback for me? Interesting. Interesting. Because we all assume that these teams would jump at their chance to get any quarterback, any sort of upgrade. It's not really the case. It's not how GMs look at it. Which is why the Green Bay Packers drafted a kid because that's the cheapest way to get what's the most important position on a football team, maybe the most important position in sports, and that's a quarterback. So they traded up. They got Jordan Love because they did not have – a backup in Tim Boyle and you know, people yelled and screamed and then maybe it upset their, their veteran quarterback, whatever. That's what they did. Now here we are because of the pandemic. Jordan love has only played. I can count on my hand. The amount of times this guy has been in an NFL game, whether it's preseason or a real game. Whereas Aaron Rodgers had 16 preseason games before he took over as a starter for Brett in 2008. So they hired Tom Clements who was a Notre Dame quarterback, played in the CFL, then was an assistant coach, and then Mike McCarthy brought him in, and he worked with Aaron Rodgers. But then, you know, McCarthy was struggling with certain things, so he thought, well, maybe maybe I need to pay more attention to these games, so I'll give up the play calling to Tom Clements, and, and I'll be more of a managed game manager. Yeah. And that only lasted about six weeks. And then after that season, Tom Clements seemed to you know, retire, he play. I think he worked for the Cardinals for a year or two, mm-hmm. but now you're bringing him back at 68 years old. So we asked Matt Lafleur when we were in the sidebar with him, you know, off of the podium, you know. So what role did Aaron Rodgers play 
uh, in getting Tom Clements back in as your quarterback coach. Now the Luke Getze took over as offensive coordinator of the Bears. And and does this mean, hey, if you got Tom Clements back, does this mean Aaron Rodgers is coming back? <laughs> well, I don't want to get into those conversations too much. But, um, yeah, no, certainly you, when you have a player of, of that caliber uh, as as important as he's been to this organization and and then when he credits and gives somebody like that so much praise like to me you'd be foolish not to listen to that and so that's why i wanted to go sit down with tom and um like i said he's he's a very impressive guy this seems like a pretty easy way to score some points with the quarterback that you want to keep happy, right? It's like they, they couldn't have had a long list of quarterback coaches that they were going to aggressively pursue, right? So why not Tom Clements? It seems like an easy enough common sense move to make. Well, his assistant quarterback coach is a guy named Connor that, LeFleur, you know, LeFleur's done a pretty good job hiring coaches. He has. I mean, you know, one of them just became a head coach. Three or four of them are being gobbled up around the league. And and so, you know, Matt LaFleur's already got a pretty good coaching tree going. So, you know, the point here is um, he probably could have better done a better job finding a guy who's quicker with the iPads and putting together the information and, and is, is more hip to what's going on in the league than 68-year-old Tom Clements. They're going to find that out. By the way, you know, we talk about this like when Bill Michaels and I went to the Super Bowl, we cover things here like the Combine. Do you know how that whole thing went down? Matt LaFleur, turns out, was at the Super Bowl in L.A. that whole week. And so was Tom Clements. And that's when those two got together, sat down, had some meetings, talked football. And, you know, Aaron had been talking this guy up. So LaFleur met with him at the Super Bowl. And that's when they started they start putting that together, that deal together. Same thing this week here in Indianapolis, man. These, these guys get together. They they have a drink. They they meet in you know private rooms, and and all kinds of things. Uh, information gets exchanged when you're walking in the hallways. I saw uh, one of the general managers walking by, and here's two young guys. And then the, I can hear the guy saying, "Hey, I'm going to introduce you to him." And and so it's like a young guy. Maybe he's a quality control guy. You know, he's going from college player, maybe some some NFL. And he goes, "Hey, I'd like to introduce you to." Him. I says, "I know who that is." He said, I scouted you at uh, Ball State. I gave you a high grade. Mm. And this young guy, you know, was like, was just, you know, it's it's that networking and contacts that go on in the hallway. And that's why it's it's kind of cool to be here and see that stuff firsthand. Yeah. The, the Combine seems like just a big networking event, too, between media and teams and just information flying around everywhere. It seems like my worst nightmare because I would be afraid to talk to anyone. I don't like bothering people. I don't want to go up to someone and be like, hey, I know who you are, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I think I would, I, I don't know. I don't think it would be a productive experience for me. I don't like going up to people. So I don't know if I could hang at the combine. Every year, though, the NFL scouting combine gets negative press because, you know, that seems to make news. Five years ago, they were ripping on whether or not they're going to pull out of Indianapolis. The thing was put together by Gil Brandt, the godfather of the NFL, yeah. a Wisconsin guy born in Milwaukee. Because, you know, back in the 80s, they said, listen, instead of a drive flying to all these different pro days, let's just bring all these guys. We know of the top 300 that are going to be in the draft. Let's all bring them to a centrally located part of the United States so it's not a six-hour flight across the country. Mm-hmm. And let's do all the medicals and the basics and get it out of the way. We can save money and save ourselves some time. And, yeah, we can all get together at night for a drink or two. Now, today, though, 
because you know things have changed in the last two years, Zoom calls and and pro days and whatnot. I watched the wide receivers. They were supposed to do a bench press, and of course the NFL Network is looking for a show. They're looking for something, and they let in some fans, and all the scouts are there, and there must have been 25 receivers. 20 of them walked across the stage, each saying, "Yeah, my name is Joe Smith. I'm from uh, Alabama." Uh, I am not going to bench press today. I'm going to do it my pro day, and they would announce the day of it. Yeah, uh, twenty of these guys said, "I'm going to bench press on my pro day." Now, those are the wide receivers, not the offensive linemen. But I know the league is frustrated by that. It's like, look, you know, we we're providing this thing here. It's an equal playing ground, you know, for, for playing field for everybody here. Come on, and you know, work out for the scouts here so that they they can get the reports filled up. So, in the meantime. Um, you know, the big story is, and in the league and with the networks that are here and everything, is Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Because how that goes can change so many other teams. Oh, yeah. And what they're going to try and do between now and the start of free agency. Franchise tags are in five days. Free agency on the 16th. So we asked LaFleur off to the side. This must get frustrating for you, just waiting for Rodgers to, you know, make a decision. I mean, you can only control what you can control. So you just, you know, try to make the best of it and try to have consistent communication. And, um, you know, I told them I don't want to be overbearing and, and tell them every day how much we love them and how much we want them back. But uh, so you just you, you, you just want to be respectful of, of his of his space and, and allow him to, you know, think through everything clearly without being annoying, I guess. We're talking with Mike Clements. This is just bizarre. You want to be respectful of him. We don't want to be annoying. I mean, ugh. you got to cater to a player like this. And I think it's important for Lafleur and Goody to maybe put their ego aside a little bit and their pride aside and, and cater to their best player. But, man, <laughs> we don't want to be annoying. Like, oh, come on. Oh, man. Tom Brady's got a wife and kids. Yeah. Drew Brees has a wife and kids. They have normal lives. They come back, and they go and win a bunch of ball games. Brees, you know, he won more games his last two or three years down there than than most quarterbacks did and, you know, until this LaFleur, you know, Rodgers connection the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he didn't make it to a Super Bowl. And the, the fact is, this is the only thing Aaron Rodgers has got is his career. Yeah. You know? What are you What through, are you bothering through, him from? What are you annoying him from? He, What's he doing? <laughs> well, no, no, well, he because you know what? Well, you know he doesn't want to call Lafleur today and say, "All right, I'm coming back," and then tomorrow Matthew Stafford decides to retire. Yeah. Whoa! Wait a minute. I could be a Ram. Wait a minute. Sure. You know. So there's those kinds of choices as well. Um, in the meantime, I want to talk a little bit about defense today. Because uh, Zadarius Smith, that was a huge drop-off or loss, you thought, although Rashawn Gary stepped up, Preston Smith had a good season. And so I asked Brian Gutekinds, because this was a mystery. You come into camp, Zadarius puts on the PUP, then he plays against the Saints, and, you know, it's something about a back injury. Then September and October, and finally it's in the middle of the season, now he's having back surgery. So I asked Gutekinds, you know, is it possible that Zadarius should have opted for that surgery earlier in the calendar year last year. And is there any chance he's going to be a Packer in 2022? 
Yeah, I mean, you can't predict injuries, and and um, you know, so like, I, you know, I don't really think there's anything we could have done differently. But uh, it was it was tough. It would have been nice to have him out there the whole the whole time because uh, our defense was playing at a very high level. But uh, what what Zedarius can bring, um, you know, is, is is certainly something we missed at times. You know, I'm really proud of Rashawn and Jonathan Garvin and Preston and those guys the way they picked up the slack. But uh, Zedarius is a really really good player. But um, uh, as we move forward, we'll kind of work through that. I think the timing maybe last year, Mike, was affected by, like, the last the last season was framed as the last dance coming in by players, right? Like, they said that. That's not something fans made up. Do you think they handle injuries a little differently with Jair? Maybe does he get surgery right away? Does Zedair, Like, would they have handled their injuries differently if not for kind of the unique circumstances last season, do you think? I just, you know, so we since we don't know anything about the thing with Zedaria Smith, is that I just want to see Brian Gutekinds at least say publicly, we're okay with the way this thing played out, that the player did what he should have done, yeah. you know, that he reported it on time, those kinds of things. But And how bad is it, though? I mean, is he going to be able to play? Is it going to be a, a lingering injury? Or is this guy – have you seen so much progress by Rashawn Gary and those other outside linebackers like he mentioned, that uh, this is one of the places where you can make – Russ Ball can make a cut and make some room in the salary cap. In the meantime, Rashawn Gary did step up and had a good season. But, you know, I asked him of this in early January. You know, Mike Smith is his outside linebackers coach, a former player. He played for Mike Pettin, you know, uh, and with Jets and Ravens and just a really good, outstanding coach. And I asked Rashawn Gary how much Mike Smith meant to him as an outside linebacker coach. Yeah, you know, those are those are conversations that... Wait, I got you, Mike. Sorry, the Rashawn Gary one. I got you. Sorry about that. You know, we've been riding three years long, and, you know, just having a coach that uh, wants you to do good, you know, want to see you be successful, it only makes you want to push even harder to be successful for yourself, you know, even uh, other than your personal goals. But having a coach like that that cares for you and, you know, keep pushing for you and up and down, don't matter what time of the night. Uh, it could be 12, 12 at night, and... I asked him for, you know, please, oh, this is what I'm seeing on this. And he's up, and he's giving it to me. So I'm hungry for information, uh, and he's a coach that's able to give it to me. So, you know, just having a coach like that that make my job easier, you know, I love it. So, you know, me and Coach, uh, you know, sorry to get a little choked up, but me and we got a good relationship. So, yeah. Dang, Mike, I'm sorry I botched playing that sound because that's powerful you did you really expect a player to give that kind of response when you ask about a position coach I, that's kind of unexpected no and it just shows the passion that Rashawn Gary has for the sport why they drafted him as a first round pick Mike Smith said you guys wait he's gonna prove me right so those two were very close and very passionate about what they do but Mike but Mike Smith is gone now He's the Otto yeah. linebacker and, and pass rush coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. So he's got a bigger title. He got a promotion. He's making more money. He's probably one step closer to becoming a defensive coordinator. And he's working for his old boss, Mike Pettin, who is the assistant coach of the new regime in Minnesota. So I asked LaFleur, you know, wow. I mean, how did that guy, how did you end up letting him walk out the door <laughs> going to Minnesota? And who's this new guy now that's going to be Rashawn Gary's coach, Jason Rebovich? Uh, well, it turns out he's had like 20 years NFL experience 
And here's what LaFleur told me about that situation. Yeah, you know, those are those are conversations that are, are really tough to, to go through, I would say. Uh, certainly, I think Mike's an outstanding football coach, and I think he's done a hell of a job with that whole room. And certainly, you guys have seen the progress that a guy like Rashawn Gary's made. But he gets a lot out of that room, and he's going to be tough to replace. But, you know, he had an opportunity to go to, to um, Minnesota there and, and got a uh, promotion as a pass rush specialist as well. And so I wish him all the best. Um, we're certainly thankful for his time with us. And um, as far as Rebs is concerned, I think just he was super impressive throughout the interview process, just how detailed he was. Um, you know, I think he's he's a guy that is going to bring a lot of energy, a lot of juice. He's going to he's going to demand a lot of the players. Um, I think he's he's going to build those connections. And, um, you know, you always kind of vet people through people that, you know, and trust and have worked with. And he's worked with a couple of our guys. Shooty worked with Hackett and Vrabel. Um, and those guys spoke the world of him. It's cool how football coaches We'll just say, all right, if you can get a promotion, you know, go ahead. It's cool that they operate that way, and they don't typically block assistant coaches from getting a promotion. I, I don't know what Matt LaFleur's process is for hiring new assistant coaches, but he's been really good at it in his three years as a head coach, so I'm just going to trust his process and watch how it plays out. The other thing is you bring in these guys as these quality control guys or interns, and then they come up through the ranks. So then they become a receivers coach, a tight end coach, you know, an offensive line coach before they get to coordinator and then, you know, to a head coach, just like Lil Fleur has pulled off in the last 10 or 15 years in his path in the NFL. So all kinds of great stories, like there's Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals. He's talking to a few reporters. He, somebody said, are you, are you getting recognized more now? And he said, you know, it's funny. He said, after the season, we just got away. We went to this resort. We're down at the beach. I'm playing some tennis, a pickup game with some guy. And the guy goes, you look familiar. Did we play last week? And he said, no, no, it wasn't me. No, I swear. Didn't you and I play a tennis game last week here? <laughs> He's like, sir, I assure you not. And the reason is he was coaching in the Super Bowl. Hello? Yeah. So, and, and then 20 minutes later, I see Zach walking down the street to downtown Indianapolis all by himself. No entourage. Nobody stopping him. Nobody knows who the hell he is. The guy was, he was coaching the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago. Or great stories from players. James Jameson Williams is the kid who was in the national championship game against Al, with Alabama against Georgia, and they, he went down with a torn ACL. Yeah. They still got him in the first round. He said one of the first teams that talked to him was the Green Bay Packers. That's I found that interesting. Mm. And then lastly, talking to Jake Ferguson, your Badgers tight end, he's here. He's and he, you know, he was asked, "What's your his his grandfather? Of course, is Barry Alvarez. What is your favorite story about growing up with your grandpa?" I remember a lot about him. I, probably there was one time I was really young, and uh, he was coaching in a Rose Bowl, and it was the first time I actually was in the building when he was coaching, and I went into the locker room and I finally heard him scream for the first time, and I was like, "Oh my God!" Like. Grandpa, and like I'm, I'm pretty sure I cried a little bit too. I was young; I don't remember. But uh, first time him screaming, he starts off in a low voice, and then he starts getting really high. And by the end of it, he's talking like this, and he's screaming. So it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny for as often as we talk about Barry Alvarez being Jake Ferguson's grandpa, we never ask stories. We never hear anything like that. 
So I appreciate that audio, Mike. I got to run. Enjoy your time in Indy, and let's catch up soon. I don't know about the draft or whenever Rodgers makes his decision. Let's let's have a powwow and let's chat. Sounds gr- good, good, Grant. Always appreciate it. Thank you, pal. Yeah, thanks for the time. That's Mike Clemens. He's in Indy. Find him on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Find all his work and his updates there. Just getting cool stories and little tidbits to share with the show. I appreciate Mike. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.